on this computer. Okay. Hey, welcome to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast. Remember the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm here with Dr. Jamie Wilkie, uh, who will be <laughs> um, uh, really taking us down the road. Uh, she has built a business, led to the top of the business in two years. She is a force on LinkedIn, kind of everything you want to do. But unfortunately, some of these skills might not have been taught in pharmacy school. So I'm bringing her on to kind of fill a bunch of gaps. So Jamie, uh, if you could just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself. And I want to welcome you to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast. Thank you. So excited to be on the Pharmacy Residency Podcast because it is such an exciting time to be a pharmacist and to really stand out in the world. And unfortunately, traditional pharmacy schools don't teach you how to stand out. They give you really great, great clinical skills. You're incredibly smart, but then you're feeling stuck and inadequate when you're putting together a resume and feeling like, well, I'm still not enough. Now I still need more letters after my name. I need more X, Y, Z. A PharmD is just the beginning. Whereas I believe the opposite. I believe once you are a PharmD, the world is your oyster and it's really up to you and your personal branding to unlock the future of your dreams and the future that you desire. Because I believe the resumes are dead and antiquated <laughs> and they may be necessary, but the real future is in creating your own brand that you attract opportunities to yourself rather than just trying to apply to a hundred jobs and hope someone sees your value. That's a backwards way of working and thinking. Okay. Well, since we've been doing organic chemistry and organic chemistry, especially synthesis is going backward from the end. And how did we get there? Can you explain brand to the lay person? Cause I think that that term gets thrown around and students are like, brand, I just want to go get a job as a pediatric pharmacology you know, clinical pharmacist and do my PGY-1, PGY-2 at a children's hospital. Is pediatrics my brand? What, what's my brand? So what, what does that mean to uh, maybe a residency applicant, but just the lay pharmacist? What does that mean? I'm glad you asked, because this might this word might strike a fear in the hearts of pharmacists and like, oh, no, no, I picked pharmacy, so I don't have to do this stuff. I don't want to be putting myself out there. I just want to do a really good job behind the scenes, not have to do anything on social media or put myself out there. That's not me. And the nice thing about your brand is it's you. It's just publicly facing you and you sharing your thoughts and opinions and your unique take on the world. So your brand doesn't have to be someone you're not and certainly should not, but your brand is, is what makes you, you and creating value for the people who are interested in your topic. So you were talking about like what pediatric pharmacist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for an example of a pediatric pharmacist, like you as a pediatric pharmacist believe five things X, Y, Z that every pediatric pharmacist should do. And then you start sharing that with the world. And so it's, it's not that you're just as good as any pediatric pharmacist, but what makes you unique and what makes you like the pediatric pharmacist that people keep learning from and are drawn to rather than a pediatric pharmacist. So you're taking yourself from a commodity into something that can't be replicated because it's, it's what, you know, but also like your spin on how you see the world and how you're integrating everything into to that worldview. Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so what we maybe can do as we go through this podcast is really, I think one thing, the time for money is something that pharmacists really struggle to get out of. 
And so even if we have a pediatric pharmacologist, pharmacotherapist, uh, they're still getting a paycheck for going to the hospital, but they don't really have a business and certainly not passive income. And so let's talk a little bit about that. So if I would say one of my brands would be, uh, I'm a letter of intent uh, editor. I help students with their letters of intent. Uh, I put in a ton of content and those are users. And then those are not necessarily customers who I serve. And then there's a small group of about 200 that are my customers. So yeah, I have 40,000 users on YouTube, but maybe 200 uh, customers, if you want to call them that for the letters. So as a pharmacist, you pretty quickly after, I believe, a long stint in retail. So they, that's the, the overnight success in 10 years. Um, made that transition uh, to a branded pharmacist with passive income, CEO of a company. How? How did you do all that? Uh, and then, of course, you, you uh, got out of, of retail or got out of community pharmacy. Uh, can you give us you know, the, the secret sauce and how you did that? Yeah. So the secret sauce was writing online and building publicly, okay. being very public from day one about what I was building and validating it early. So I was in retail for 10 years and beating my head against the wall, feeling like <laughs> this is going nowhere fast. I applied for hundreds of jobs, heard back from none because it was a terrible resume. Anyway, like I didn't have any credentials in pharmacy. I have no residency. Am I allowed to say that on the residency? Yes. Podcast? Well, I, I don't have one either. Uh, so uh, I'm because I didn't do a residency and I don't have a residency and I don't supervise a residency. I actually have the time to do the podcast about the residency. The funny thing is that an RPD who would be a great host uh, simply wouldn't have the time because residency program director is not a paid job. It's just another thing. So, but yeah, go on. Tell us more about how you, how you branded and, and built and, and became CEO. Yeah. So I just built it organically, not knowing what I was doing. I didn't have some amazing coach whispering in my ear saying like, <laughs> this is how you build a company from scratch. I was just very, I created a LinkedIn account two years ago. So like I didn't even have LinkedIn before that. I created an account to look for a new job. And then I saw all these pharmacists doing really cool things. And it opened my eyes to entrepreneurship and pharmacy. And so from day one, I just was posting online every day. And I'm really okay. embarrassed to look back at those posts and like the things I was writing. But that is the magic of what happened is like writing online every single day where so I was are, at in my journey. So you are posting every single day, real content. You're not talking about a Twitter bot that would, you know, put out something and then, you know, make sure that it got out there a bunch of times. And then the Twitter bots are talking to the other Twitter bots. You're talking about an original article every single day. Yeah. It doesn't have to be complex. Just, okay. just a little post saying like, okay, here I am. I'm this retail pharmacist. I'm interested in breaking out of the box. What do you guys think? What okay. options are out there? And people like her chiming in. And then like, once I started hearing about pharmacogenomics, I'm like, wow, pharmacogenomics is cool. I'm going through my pharmacogenomics certification. Here's the things I'm learning. Then people are like, wow, this is really cool. And then like, hey, now I'm pharmacogenomics certified. Why aren't pharmacists doing this? Why right. is this not in my community? I'm going to start building my own practice here in my community. I don't know X, Y, Z. Can you guys help me? And people chime in and people are like seeing me build this as I go. 
Okay. And I'm like building what's interesting, not only in my community, but online. So after I got my own practice up and running, naturally a ton of pharmacists reached out to me on LinkedIn and they're like, oh my gosh, you're doing the job of my dreams. Like you're seeing okay. your own patients in your community without insurance. Can you teach me how? So I didn't have to like think of this brilliant business, spend a ton of money and hope it attracted people. I was just like, I had already shared what I did and people liked it. And then I said, okay, like, of course I can teach you. I'm living it. So I created an online course that then taught them that's now snowballed and has pharmacists from uh, just about every state and multiple countries doing the same thing, just from building in public and like not knowing where it was going to lead and seeing what people were interested in and giving them exactly what they were interested in. What's the actual name of the course? Oh, I'm glad you asked. It's called the PGX Consulting Confidence Academy. Okay. And I think that that's a big step that, that we're not sure how to take. And so I feel like we hear all the time, well, now this pharmacist is working with this physician. Well, how did they like go to school together? Or they just knew each other? Did they just walk in one day? And is part of the academy kind of explaining that process and is a physician required? Uh, what, what are all the, the kind of pieces that the, the course addresses? Yes, it's all those pieces on how to put yourself into practice because okay. there's a number of PGX certifications out there. Heck, in pharmacy school, you learned PGX. What I teach is the principles of like how to put yourself in practice in a community, how, like, how to do all the business things, create a business account, all of that. But then really the things that pharmacists are so scared of, of like, how do I talk to a doctor? How do I provide value? How do I get patients to actually pay me money when I've never charged before? All these things that like, we're so scared and we don't know how to do. We walk you through that and hold your hand and give you step-by-step. Like, this is what you say to the physician. This is next steps. Like to make it into doing because pharmacists are so good at learning and we can learn so well <laughs> but we're terrible at like putting ourselves out there oh yeah and like doing we just want to sign up for a job rather than being innovative and creating something we think should exist well actually didn't you kind of go to the top of your company and then it became pretty clear that you were only one person you did want to see your children before graduation uh, and you did want to spend some time with them. So you started bringing on people and then you might even have another layer and those people are now helping those people. So tell me a little bit about that journey because uh, Tim Albrick of Your Financial Pharmacist has also done something similar where uh, he first had a problem. He had $200,000 in student loans. Uh, he had a family. He wanted to actually enjoy time with the family. And then uh, all of it kind of came together where he built your financial pharmacist and it all started with a blog. Uh, how did that work for you? Exactly. Oh, it's so fun to build a team and work yourself out of a job because I did create something really cool and replaced my income in a couple of different ways, but then still felt like, well, I'm still doing the same thing and I've created something that didn't exist. And now I'm like plugging into a job. I found that like my I love creating things mm-hmm. and I didn't want to keep doing the same things to maintain. So I hired people who had created their own practices, who knew my systems in and out, knew that they worked, created their own practices and like hired them to work for me to help replace me. So that for a couple of reasons, one, so the business would be more robust and, okay. and not just like 
oh, this entrepreneur started this thing and they're the bottleneck of their company so that it was robust with a number of points of view and a lot of support, but also to teach them the valuable skills of, of how you grow a business from an idea to scaling it. And okay. it's so fun to be able to teach people that and then give them more responsibility. And then it frees up my time to go build more. So I just love business and sharing what I've learned. Okay. So I put uh, down this uh, subtitle or title for a book, work yourself out of a job, uh, because it sounds like that's what, what can happen if you follow these steps, kind of just start talking to the community, asking how they can help and those things. Well, let's get into some of the details in LinkedIn. I feel like some pharmacy students really have a great LinkedIn profile. You see them on there, you know everything about them and others don't. Uh, I was inspired by you. I saw, I was like, what is this newsletter? I didn't know LinkedIn did <laughs> newsletters. And I was like, all right, well, let me see if I can do a newsletter. And I think I have 1,100 subscribers on my newsletter in three weeks. And it was That's crazy. Amazing. I know. And I was like, man, I've been using ConvertKit for, and you know, nobody signs up for the email. I go on LinkedIn and here are 1,100 people that want to hear what I say. So there's some, a lot of gravitas, a lot of, uh, you're using kind of LinkedIn's, I don't know what the word is, but, but whatever it is, uh, authenticity, uh, uh, logos, pathos, ethos, something like that. Um, how did you start kind of transitioning those little posts into a newsletter and then signing up a subscriber base? Oh, it's so fun. So I, I love building in public in everything I do. And that's okay. my posts when I'm building a newsletter for the week, because I write it once a week. When I write a newsletter for the week, I look at the past week's posts because now okay. I post twice a day, All every right. day. Oh my so gosh. I have a good amount of metrics. And then the post that was most interesting to people and had the most engagement, I was like, oh, I would not have expected this in most cases. Like people like this thing that I'm talking about. Okay, I'll lean into that and I'll break it down even, even further. So I basically take that post that I wrote that did well, that had a lot of engagement, and then I just dig deeper and multiply it by about four by going into nitty gritty details that I couldn't address in a little square. And so people tell me what they want and I just lean into it. So it's so fun and easy and it keeps the guessing out of it. And like, cause when you're, when you're posting every day or twice a day on LinkedIn, it really is like uh, rolling the roulette wheel. And like, I don't know. I honestly don't know what's going to be interesting to people. And it just takes putting yourself out there and being consistent and then patterns start emerging and you see what people want to hear so that you naturally without risk or stress or even money can marry what you're interested in with what people are interested in hearing about into something that you love writing about. Cause you can't just pick something that's like a hot topic that people are talking about if you really don't care about it. Cause yeah it takes too much out of you and it'll be obvious that like, you don't really care about it. You're just a robot trying to ride the wave. So when you can marry what you actually love with what people are interested in, whether it's a business or just your career and your professional brand, that's what elevates you above the masses because like no one is using LinkedIn as a pharmacist, as you know, Tony, like yeah. everyone's scrolling, everyone's liking posts. Yeah. 1% create. If you can create, you've created an empire. Well, let's, let's break down some of what you do. So you do AB testing. Uh, you didn't mm -hmm. call it that, but you're basically saying here's Coke and here's Pepsi. Let me know. And you're like, yeah. and you're like, why did Coke get 20 likes and Pepsi got one? What just happened? 
That's right about Coke. And so I guess the AI uh, newsletter that you had just recently sent out, the one about uh, the robots taking over, uh, that that was probably from an A-B testing post, right? Somebody said, oh man, you know, those are going to come out. And then, so what the advantage sounds like over LinkedIn over the blog is, with a blog, you don't really get that immediate feedback, but with LinkedIn and this audience that you have, uh, because I think you have you're number three, right? Number three pharmacist working your way up, right? 20,000 uh, followers. And then uh, this is Clayton Christensen. Have you heard of him? He was a Harvard oh, guy. I love Clayton Christensen. Okay. So do you, do you know the milkshake story, the job to be done story? Do you want to tell it? You tell it. Okay. So Clayton Christensen came up with this job to be done approach to things. And one of the things that I think it was McDonald's that hired him to say, we want to sell more milkshakes. And uh -huh. so like you're talking about it, like, all right, well, let's make more flavors. Let's make more sizes. Let's make more options. And he's like, oh, let's go to McDonald's in the morning and in the afternoon and ask people why they're, they're getting a milkshake. And so the job to be done is what is the milkshake's job to be done? And mm -hmm. the assumption on McDonald's part was the job to be done was that they just wanted a, a, a treat, something satisfying. But as a parent, you'll appreciate this. Uh, for those commuters who had that long commute, maybe sometimes you, you're like, okay, this store needs help. And I work for the same retail place that you did. And I've actually slept in a Home Depot parking lot because I, <laughs> I couldn't make the drive home after an overnight shift, after a day shift. And so I had to sleep there for a couple hours before I made it home. And the job to be done for the milkshake in the morning, and people get milkshakes in the morning, was that it was more satisfying than like a donut or a bagel or whatever in a small straw. And it kept them doing something and engaged and awake for like 20, 25 minutes. Uh, so keeping awake at the wheel. But then in the afternoon, the milkshake's job was different. It was a treat for their kids. If they did something, a way for them to spend time with the kid uh, and not, not a huge expense. And uh, that was the job to be done. So it sounds to me that when you're talking about pharmacists, they're maybe mistaking the job to be done of a pharmacist is to provide the medicine. And what the job to be done, what sounds like as I keep hearing from you is, is it has always been to provide the right medicine, but the PGX is what allows that to happen. So can, I think I've heard a couple of stories, uh, maybe pick your, your best one where patient was taking medication, adverse effects from the medication, they were not the right, that was not the right medication for their genotype. I'm maybe using the wrong word there, or genome or whatever. But tell me a story where once you found it right, and pharmacogenomics saved the day, I guess is the way to go with that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So when I was just starting, I just like got my PGX certificate, I was ready to change the world. I had no idea how I put a little um, note out on Instagram because that's the only social media I had. And I was like, yeah. hey, friends, I'm learning <laughs> about like precision medicine. If any of you are having trouble with medication, like, will you be my guinea pig? I would love to like do a DNA yeah. test and see what medication works for you. And I had a number of friends like instantly reach out and they're like, yes, I have trouble with mental health. Please help me. Okay. And so I did it for free. And I was like, yeah. I don't. I've never done this before. Thank you for like understanding. They were so grateful for my help. And one of them 
when we went through the results of the test that will change prescribing for the rest of her life, like was crying. And she was like, oh my gosh, no one has ever talked to me about medicine this way. I've seen who knows how many doctors by the time I've been 35 years old for depression and anxiety. No one has ever done this. Like seeing these results matches my experience with medication. Like this made me feel sick. This didn't work. This X, Y, Z, like, why did I have to live trial and error for so many years struggling when this precision medicine could have narrowed that and gotten Mm -hmm. me more quickly to the right medication. And that like light bulb moment of like, okay, people want this. This is changing lives. I can do this as the regular PharmD without a residency, without being board certified. Like people just need to talk to a pharmacist about medications. That's what people want. So I'm very excited that pharmacists are separating from selling medications to being the medicine expert because the world needs us and patients need us and no one's filling this vacuum. So if you're up for it, like the world is your oyster, there's no competition. It's I a know. great time to it's, be a pharmacist. I'll take us back to, let's see, Audible. And when I first wrote this book, this uh, one of the memorizing pharmacology books, a student asked me, hey, you know, can you help me? I'm just not getting the pharmacology thing. I've taken this class before and I've got kids and all these responsibilities. I was like, well, when do you have time? It's like, well, the only time I have time is when I'm driving here and driving home. It's like, what if we did an audio book? And somebody's like, well, oh my gosh, like that's like listening to the, you know, phone book. That would be terrible. And I was like, and then, then, okay. I was like, you know, kind of, you know, encapsulated that. Then later on, I hear somebody say, man, I could listen to his voice, just read the phone book. And it was this British voice. So I was like, all right, I'm going to put in the money. It was like $3,000 to put it in there. And this was when Audible didn't have as many books in there. And it was crazy. That book was making $60,000 a year for like three years. It was insane because there was no competition. And it sounds like PGX is the same thing, but I, I'm, just, I'm just not a clinical person. I, it's not my thing. But for somebody that's clinical, it just sounds like a, a no-brainer. So, so what is the barrier then? Why, why aren't people doing it? You're screaming from the rooftops and you project. It's not you. Why, 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 what's the barrier? What's going on that people haven't embraced it? Is it because it's cash? I mean, what's going on? Okay. So barriers are falling all the time, but the biggest one is that pharmacy isn't embracing it. Okay. It's been around for 20 plus years. The science is clinically validated, mm-hmm. but pharmacists aren't owning it right okay. now. Labs are reaching out to doctors, really trying to get them on board. And doctors are just like, I don't have the bandwidth for this. I'm not opposed to it. I just can't deal with this. And pharmacists are just waiting for like a job with PGX to be handed to them on a silver platter. But this is okay. an area of innovation. And unless you're in a, a very unique health system that is piloting a project, no one is going to do this but you. And so this is where you can really like raise a banner and make yourself a valuable expert and say like, we can figure this out. It's not that complicated, but pharmacists just haven't like championed it and made themselves be a part of it. We're just really like good at patiently waiting on the sidelines <laughs> being like, let me know when you need my help. I know. Whereas like this, this part of our role is so important because insurance is starting to cover it. CMS is covering it. The tests, even for cash are so cheap. Now you can just get a mail to you. Like all of the barriers are falling. It's really just the gumption of pharmacists to create something new instead of waiting for a job role where someone else has laid it out for you, which is actually a really awesome opportunity 
and so exciting. Yeah, yeah. Once it happens. So your your story reminds me of Blair Tielemeyer's story where she was laid off by a hospital system and then uh, was kind of forced into something which was the best closed door that she could ever have. And then when they came back and said, okay, jobs available, she's like, no, no, <laughs> no, no. I work two days a week. I see my kids. No, no way. Uh, tell me what it was that was maybe the tipping point for you. Was it one final drive-through moment that just was like, no, no more. I'm just not going to do this anymore. Uh, was it uh, some event or was it really this? It sounded like it was just kind of a gradual transition and build up and then you just kind of started enjoying this other thing more and, and you just like, well, I don't actually need the job anymore. Yeah, it, it, COVID was happening in the background. And so working conditions were like awful. So I had like yeah. a fire burning behind me. Mm -hmm. And I just built it slowly. Like it's not a very sexy, exciting story, but like every week, every month as my income grew and mm -hmm. grew and grew and became more predictable, I was like, this is not risky to leave. I felt zero like pangs of regret or worry when I finally called and said, I quit. I'm done with this job I've held for 10 years because I knew that the income was there and that slowly replacing one day a week and then two days a week and then three days a week, I could make money for myself. And that felt really awesome. And so it was not risky at all. It felt riskier to stay and ignore building something that would provide way more than clocking in and out ever could. It sounds like you have it actually a little better than maybe I did. So I transitioned to be a real estate agent, not on purpose. Uh, I just, I met this teacher and this teacher's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I don't make enough money. So I just do this real estate thing on the side. And I was like, that sounds neat. I'll go get my license. And, and I started doing it. And then I got really good at it and over time. And then there was that point where I'm like, huh, I don't really think I need this job anymore. I don't think I need it. But in real estate, we do have a, a winter where there really aren't a lot of sales between Thanksgiving and Super Bowl. It sounds like you're talking about something very consistent though. Is your income that consistent that, that you see that, that monthly paycheck or, or uh, yeah, is it consistent or is it more of a wave and you kind of have to learn how to work uh, with money that's not always coming in? Cause that is definitely a pharmacist fear. Yeah, it's a fear and it's every, it's the journey is different for everyone. And so you get to build what you want to build, how you want to build it. I chose to work with patients in the, my community in a prescriber office. Okay. And so that like locked me into a bucket of existing patients. So I didn't have to like, yeah, I go recruit ones in every week. So that gave me a level of consistency that mm -hmm. has pros and cons if you really want a lot of freedom, but first of all, seeing what works and then building something that works for you, whether it you want to replace your income in X amount of months or years, just the slow building and seeing the results and how you can like systematize it and think like a business owner to like, okay, how can I make sure that this provides for me for next X amount of months and building right. those systems is my favorite part of owning a okay. business is like the back end of building systems. Yeah. And, and I, I've seen that you've got great work where you've, you've got some great kind of, I don't want to call them hacks in LinkedIn, but you, you send them to a, a single page website where they can sign up for your newsletter and, and a bunch of systems where I think a lot of people are maybe thinking, oh my gosh, this is so much work on a daily basis where 
maybe you can tell me a little bit about your automation and how you've made it so that the job, you didn't just buy yourself another job that gets in the way of your children and being with those children. Because I think there are pharmacy jobs that are fundamentally incompatible with being a present parent. You know, mm -hmm. you might say, okay, well, I'm only working every other weekend, but you, it's very tough to tell your kid, okay, well, I'll be at your, you know, soccer game every other weekend. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, okay, well, I'll be your kid every other weekend then, you know, I'll be your kid every other week. Like that, that's just uh, somewhat insulting to be honest. So tell me a little bit about how you've kind of automated yourself out of, a, let's, let's use the, the term that you use, but automated yourself out of uh, working out of a job. Oh yeah. So because I have, I have four little kids and a spouse who also works, like I have very little time. So the time I do work has to pay off. And so from the beginning, it would start with automating like my outreach to providers in the area. So I would start like a sheet, a Google sheet. It used to be so basic and embarrassing of like all the people to reach out to and when I was following up with them and what they said and when my next outreach was. So when I had that hour at nine o'clock at night, I could say like, okay, who needs to hear from me this week so we can keep moving forward. And then I could intelligently like keep reaching out to the people who were warm and keep moving them forward, which ultimately led to me using software called a CRM where you can manage all of your clients and have it on automation with the dings and the whistles to let you know, like, oh, time to reach out to this person. And heck, there's probably a pre-made email that can be sent to nurture people forward. And so like, you kind of have to live at messy first and it does take time at the beginning. It, I was not a present parent for a six months of like building because I'm also like a big achiever and I like love going big, but can't sustain that because it's a marathon. And so just thinking of like doing an action, and if it gets you a result, then going back and saying, how can I automate, eliminate, or delegate that task? So it's not you that has to do it anymore. And when you can start doing that for all of your tasks that are getting results, then you can pretty easily build automation behind you because there's so much awesome software and technology. And I hired a lot of automation before I ever hired a human that allowed me to run really lean and efficiently and profitably. Okay. So you're talking about customer relationship management, or I, I think that's what the CRM is yeah. for. I just want to throw that acronym out there. And then it sounds like, uh, it's, it's okay to, to be messy at first. It's okay. Oh, it's so okay. <laughs> that is the number one message for perfectionist pharmacists. Like oh, it's yeah. very okay to be messy. Just start. You don't have to have everything lined up and perfect. You just have mm -hmm. to take one step, scrappy step forward because it matters more than overthinking and not doing anything. Okay. Well, I've asked you a ton of questions and I appreciate your answers. Uh, is there anything that I didn't cover that you would want uh, especially residents or maybe people graduating from residency. Uh, I think personally, again, this is my own thought macroeconomically, that because the current administration, if student loan forgiveness goes through, they're comfortable with people paying on their loans now. But I think over the last three years, I wish I could say that people are like, you know what, we should probably save for when we're going to have to start paying these back again. I don't think that happened. So I think that as some pharmacists maybe go back into the industry, I think it's going to tighten up a little bit. Um, yeah. What, what are your thoughts maybe on the one thing that a, a resident or new graduate should do right now uh, as they're kind of moving out to, to get, you know, just even a fraction of the success you've had. 
write online every day. Just write online every single day, even if it's a sentence or three sentences, just start writing online every day because everyone is there. Everything is looking. I credit 100% of what has happened and I've created to writing online to LinkedIn every day. I still don't run paid ads. I don't do Google SEO stuff. Like still my company is running organically through LinkedIn. You would be amazed at the number of people that you look up to that you can one access on LinkedIn and like get in front of them directly, but two, just put yourself out there and like stand out from the crowd, stop applying and doing all the resume things. Like instead spend that energy being practicing in public and like sharing what you authentically think rather than being this like perfect professional, marry who you are and what you think of the world with your knowledge and you'll attract great opportunities that are so exciting that like all of your peers are ignoring and spending all of their time working on that CV yeah. on that resume <laughs> saying, did I implement or integrate and like doing all these words? Like, no, just be a category of your own. Okay. I'm going to put you in a, in a very high category right now. There was a, a young man who would write a joke every day and you think oh writing jokes whatever and jerry seinfeld put an x on the calendar doing exactly what you did which is he wrote every single day and by writing every single day he did okay <laughs> do okay and like really i am not that exciting i don't have that great things to share but like so few people share once a week once a day let alone twice a day that like yeah those baby efforts are so easy to dismiss, but they make all the difference long-term. So if you're scared or uncomfortable, I don't think it's for you. Who cares? Do it anyway. And you'll gain confidence and grow something very powerful. Yeah. I've got another person that you are. You're the, you're entrepreneur on fire. I don't remember his name. I feel like it's John or something like that, but entrepreneur on fire. He wrote, he did a podcast every single day and at first his girlfriend or wife's like, you're crazy. What this this is not producing any results, but eventually that's what it did. So consistency, writing every day, writing about things that you care about every day, starting to ask questions of the community, and then everything eventually comes to you. So this is awesome. This is awesome. Where were you 25 years ago when I graduated pharmacy school? I could have avoided so many so many, yeah, so many difficulties. Um, but all right, well, can you, let's first of all, um, can you tell us how to get to your course and then how to reach out to you, Jamie? Oh yeah. So find me on LinkedIn, Jamie Wilkie in there on my profile, you'll see a link to, I have an hour long webinar running this week about the course to give you all the details about creating a consulting practice and connect with me on LinkedIn. And it will be a fun ride to link up together. Cause when you guys who are actually really smart and have residencies and have board of certifications and start speaking like this little old farm D with just retail <laughs> experience is going to get eclipsed. And that's so exciting to me because we're smart people and you have a lot to share. So share it with the world. And for those of you just listening, it's J A M I E. And then it's will with one L and then the word key. So W I L K E Y. Uh, she's the top pharmacist on there. Uh, so or certainly with that name. So you'll, you'll definitely be able to find her. <laughs> well, Jamie, thanks so much for being on the pharmacy residency podcast. Thanks for having me, Tony. Okay. Don't hang up. Okay. <laughs>